can get Ben the better on that new show you're talking about. What's up guys, welcome to the On The Contrary show presented by Prize Picks. We got an interesting slate brewing this weekend, so we got the perfect guy to help us break it down, Neil Orfield, aka Player Q DFS. Neil, how you doing, man? I'm doing well. I'm really looking forward to talking this slate over with you. It's pretty rare that I talk about a slate this early in the week, especially after the last slate just ended yesterday. Usually I have a little bit of time. It's just been uh, trying to wrap my head around this case all uh, around this slate all day. Um, there's a lot going on here, a lot of moving parts. But before we get into that, I kind of want to give the people what they want. I got to ask you, how does it feel to have lost your spot as a number one player in the world and to drop all the way down to 37th place after the Fantasy Football World Championship? How, how are you feeling these days? Yeah, that was a tough blow to the ego. But uh, I mean, those 36 other guys that finished on top of me, like I got to tip my hat to to each and every one of the 36. So we'll be back next year to to try to get first. But um, yeah, Neil, man, how, what place did you finish? <laughs> oh, that's rough. Yeah. <laughs> I, sadly, sadly, I did not make it to the fantasy football world champ. So I guess I'm 201st. I'm going to call myself 201st. Nice, man. Yeah. Uh, Last week's slate was actually like kind of a tough one where it felt like none of the stacks really hit and it was really sleepers that, that kind of got you to the top. And it feels like it's been that way for a few weeks. Like I noticed our Osimo like Twitter, they're always like, if you like have these guys that are leading the slate, you must have a time machine or something. So what have, what have you noticed regarding sleepers in the past couple of weeks? Man, I, I guess it's been so long, so many slates since the Sunday slate that I, uh, I barely remember what happened on that slate in particular. Um, I feel like we've, for the most part, we've been able to, I mean, a couple weeks ago, we had Sony Michelle this week, James Robinson. Um, have there really been that many sleepers that have outperformed like the, the guys that we really liked in the tools? Um, I'm trying to think of who the sleeper picks were this week. There, there were a few who went off. None of the lions guys really got there. Did they? Uh, Craig Reynolds was making a push. I think he had 100 yards. Uh, okay, okay. The one guy that really like messed up my weekend was Duke Johnson, or like it oh yeah, out of nowhere, like he wasn't even active like two games before, and then I like uh, I didn't read the tea leaves because that morning they were like um, they announced the, the third uh, Miami guy inactive. I think so. I was Malcolm like, Brown. Yeah, Malcolm Brown. I didn't so, see that. Uh, I was like, dang, well, that means that maybe Miles Gaskin is going to play even more. Like, clearly Against the Jets, too. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, that didn't work out at all. Also, like, I thought they were going to be a lot more pass-heavy than they were. But if you if somehow Duke Johnson, uh, that was <laughs> the winner there. Yeah. Anyway, I hope hopefully we can find some of those contrarian pieces this week that that will make you uh, jump to the top of the leaderboards. Uh, we have a lot of COVID news to come. So I know some of the teams like the Jets and the Chiefs are uh, kind of questionable this weekend. We'll have to see what happens, but don't really have all that information yet. Guys, um, if before we get going here, you could hit the likes uh, and subscribe button. That gives us that positive feedback we need to be able to deliver you the best sleepers. 
And then uh, on the Osmo website, you can use the promo code on the contrary for 25% off the Osmo Plus Platinum Weekly Package. That gives you projections, ownership, boom bust tool, top stacks, a ton of tools you can add to your arsenal to make you a better DFS player. So uh, make sure to check out Osmo.com for all those tools. All right. <clears throat> Let's, uh, let's talk about some games. So we we're going to go game by game. There's some really interesting ones on this week's slate. Let's start with Atlanta uh, versus Detroit. Uh, obviously, that's the game that people are going to want to tune into this Sunday when they watch NFL football. Uh, but, man, the, the Falcons have been so, like, terrible recently. And then you look at this line, they're projected to score, like, 24 points, which is higher than they've been six-point favorites versus the Lions. So I'm like, is this the game where they can finally put together a performance that will win you a GPP? How are you like looking at this Atlanta game? Yeah, I think this is one thing that you and I have in common for sure in DFS is that we love the ugly games where it's just two bad teams and you don't really know how it's going to go. Um, I think I'm going to really love playing both of the quarterbacks actually in this game, both Matt Ryan and Jared Goff. It's just two of the worst. The Falcons are 31st in the league in total DVOA. The Lions are 29th. So there should be these bad offenses should be able to put up some points in this game. Uh the total is 42, so not a, not an extremely high total, but I think there's a lot of variance there just because it is two, two bad offenses against two bad defenses. I, I'm going to hope that the offenses can take advantage. Um, and in the lineups where I'm not playing the offenses, then maybe I'll take some shots on these terrible defenses. Uh, I haven't actually looked at the prices yet, but if they're, if they're cheap enough, maybe, maybe it's worth playing these defenses as well. But yeah, I, I really like playing Matt Ryan in this game. Um, I'll be, I mean, Russell Gage has been really coming on. I'll probably be doing some Matt Ryan to Russell Gage stacks. Uh, might try some Corderell Patterson stacks. I think it's important to remember if you're setting your fantasy cruncher to with the Falcons, include the running back in your stacks. Um, I don't know what to make of Kyle Pitts. Uh, so I guess I'll, I'll throw that, throw it back to you with that. How, how much do you think you're going to be getting to the Atlanta stacks? Who do you think you're going to be pairing Matt Ryan with? So one injury note in this game is Jared Goff is sick with COVID right now. Oh. So we're going to have to wait and see if he plays this week. That could make a big difference because if we're stacking up the Atlanta Falcons, we want Detroit to, to put up some points. That being said, I don't know. Tim Boyle is really like a huge downgrade from Goff. So like uh, maybe we get the new Gardner Minshew of the week, Tim Boyle. We'll see. Uh, but I think Atlanta, uh, regardless, is going to look pretty good. You have Kyle Pitts getting 20% of the targets when he's on the field and he's out there about 85% of the time each week. And then Gage has been at 22%. So although we've seen Gage uh, pop a lot more recently in the box scores, it's really going to be a coin flip between these two guys each week. The difference in projection is only one point. So I think that both are pretty intriguing. We have both as positive leverage in the tools. So Gage at 9% ownership compared to 12% optimal. Fits at 8% ownership compared to 12% optimal. And this is on the DraftKings boom bust tools. So those are nice metrics to look at. And in general, I find that if I if you like the if you like the receivers, then you gotta you gotta put uh put the quarterback in your lineup. So uh is that kind of how you approach it is like if you, you kind of lean towards quarterbacks that have like well-priced skill players or how do you like think of it? Yeah, I think more and more I'm, I'm when a, when a receiver looks really good and the quarterback is not getting a ton of ownership, I've been more and more playing more of that 
quarterback just to, you know, bring down the overall ownership uh, when I'm playing that chalky receiver, uh, the receiver who looks really good. So yeah, I've been, I've been more and more trying to take advantage of spots and I do love it when you can get both a, a quarterback and a receiver at low prices. That's a, a spot that I like to go a lot that the field doesn't often go to the field tends to like to play Mahomes, Josh Allen, anybody who's hand building wants to be playing quarterbacks who they know, and then they know have huge upside, but sometimes the upside of a guy who's a $5,000 quarterback uh, and you can find a receiver for 5,000 with him, I think is just as high and you can slam in then some of those higher priced running backs. So yeah, for sure. I like to take advantage of low price stacks. Definitely. Yeah. On the, uh, is there anyone else on Atlanta that you consider stacking up? I don't, think so. I mean, I feel like Tajay Sharp has been looking, I, I didn't actually look in the tools yet this week, but I feel like the past few weeks he's looked really good in the tools and has kind of let us down. Um, maybe he's somebody that you could consider getting to. Um, yeah, he, he's actually negatively leveraged this week, so he's not a really great play. Olamide Zacchaeus doesn't look that great. I think it's mostly just going to be those guys. The only, other, the only other Atlanta player that I might consider, just maybe, could we go back to Mike Davis? Like early in the year, we wanted to play him all the time. Now he's against the Lions. People have kind of come off him. He's still getting double digit rushes, you know, or close to double digit rushes most weeks. Do you think that he could be a guy who gets more work just because they want to run it this much, run it a lot against the Lions? Do you could be playing any Mike Davis? It's tough to, to really know because Cordero Patterson has gotten uh, about twice as many carries in the past four games as Mike Davis. Uh, well, Mike Davis has kind of been steady in the route running, so I, I don't think he's a bad option, like even as part of a stack. But CPAT is maybe a guy I'd consider, but the amount of work he's getting just isn't going to compare to like similarly priced players uh, at the same position. So we do have him as negative leverage this week because of that price tag. Now on the Detroit side, DeAndre Swift is coming back from the shoulder injury. Jamal Williams was out last week due to, to COVID, but he's back. So I think that this Detroit side, like we've seen Amon Ross St. Brown, like be the guy that that's been getting it done recently. So how do you feel about St. Brown and then Swift and, and Jamal Williams? Like how will you approach that situation? Yeah. So assuming that Swift is back and he's a full go, I think I'm going to really like him. Um, Jamal Williams. Yeah, I think I'm going to go to Swift. I might even consider if I am running a Detroit stack out there, I might consider running Swift as the receiving end of that stack. Um, if he's coming back and he's healthy, because they do like to throw to Swift. Amon Ross St. Brown has been a guy that has looked really good in the tools in recent weeks. And I keep kicking myself because I'm like, man, I can't really go to Amon Ross St. Brown. How much do I trust that? And he just keeps getting out there and putting up points. So yeah, I think I'm going to play some Amon Ross St. Brown this week. Uh, the tools only ever project for 7.8% ownership, 8% optimal, so very slightly positive leverage there. I think that he makes a lot of sense if you are game stacking the game. I'll probably have him some places as one-off as well, just because he's been getting such high volume. He's 5,600. I think he makes a lot of sense. Do you think you're going to be playing some Amon Ross St. Brown or DeAndre Swift or any Jamal Williams? My instinct is to go to Swift uh, as a run back. He does score like a lot of his points receiving, which is uh, something that like normally the running back run back is disadvantageous because you don't want a lot of rushing attempts, but because he gets so much of his production receiving, that's not really a huge concern here. Monroe St. Brown, I think that uh, 
like he was actually a lot higher on than I was expecting last week. In the final, he was like 15%, and I didn't even think he was a good play, but he got it done. That's why I'm the 37th best. And uh, he's only targeted 19% of the time uh, he's out there, which is that's okay, but it's not some, a level that's going to have any sort of like high uh, upside week to week. So, can I can I uh, ask you to now patch a leak in my game here? Because in my in my runbacks, I usually allow for wide receiver, tight end, or running back. And I feel like I've heard you say it a few times now that it doesn't really make sense to have a running back as a run back. I've, I've always thought that it made some sense because there should be positive correlation there. If the opposing running back is putting up points, it should be positive leverage is going to force the quarterback to throw more. But it sounds like uh, you found that it's actually negative leverage to have the opposing running back because they just don't score quickly enough in general. Are there exceptions to that, like running backs who have explosive potential? I mean, you, it's, you just said that DeAndre Swift can be an exception. Are there many exceptions to that rule where you would include the opposing running back uh, as the run back as opposed to a receiver or tight end? Yeah, I think that this is a good example of uh... – Maybe like why the boost function and fancy cruncher might be good, which it kind of like assigns if you have this guy in your lineup, like tweak these other projections a little bit. Uh, so like if a running back is a really good play, like James Robinson in the past two weeks, uh, you, that's a lot more advantageous as part of a stack because you don't need as many points, but or like you don't need as much like performance above what we're expecting. <clears throat> But then um, when you like uh, like running backs that get there mostly on rushing, it's just that they tend to prosper when their team <clears throat> is playing with the lead. And the ideal situation in a game stack is that both teams are kind of like trading the lead. It's like a real back and forth game. That's why it like creates a lot of plays in the game because neither team has that incentive to really like slow down the pace. So that's kind of the dream situation. The only thing is right. that doesn't happen like every week. So it is kind of hit or miss each week, whether that super game stack goes off. So there, there's some counteracting factors at play there. For sure. Uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, all right. Let's, uh, let's go to the next game here. Um, okay. So uh, if you came for good games discussion, you're in the wrong place. <laughs> We got this Jacksonville versus New York Jets game. Jacksonville is a uh, two and a half point underdog versus the Jets, but that could easily change because numerous Jets players, including Michael Carter, have uh, COVID right now. So uh, it is, uh, it's the other Michael Carter, according to uh, huh. NBC Sports. So it's the defensive Michael Carter who's on the COVID list. Dang, I didn't know. Like, <laughs> damn, that's so confusing. All right. That, <laughs> yeah. I'm, it was I'm in the headline as well. Yeah. Okay, so that, that's a good note. Now, uh, barring like any COVID updates, how are you going to approach this Jets Jags game? Yeah, I don't know what you mean by not calling this a great game. This is the, the top two quarterbacks taken in the draft. I mean, how could you not be excited about Trevor Lawrence against Zach Wilson? Uh, no, but I, so I, I try not to, to fall into narratives too often, but that is a narrative that I'm a little bit intrigued by. Like, are they going to want to try to feature these bad young rookie quarterbacks to try to prove that they made the right pick. Maybe um, James Robinson is a smart play. 
Uh, but I think that I will probably take some just as leverage off of James Robinson. I keep falling for Trevor Lawrence. I might be just a sucker. He just looks like he should be a good quarterback. He was a number one pick in the draft. I keep thinking that Trevor Lawrence is just one of these days he's going to break out. They're letting him throw. Uh, and then I follow the game and it's like they get down to the red zone and just three three and out once they're in the red zone so um it, it has not worked out for me going for trevor lawrence last week it almost worked out he took it down to the one yard line on a rush and then of course james robinson got there <laughs> instead um but yeah I, I keep falling for the trevor lawrence and i think i'm going to do it again just as a leverage play against james robinson because i could see trevor lawrence i mean he's this is such a bad new york jets defense um these are the two worst defenses in the league in terms of uh dvoa so I'm going to try and take advantage of that and hope that maybe this new now another week removed from Urban Meyer being removed as coach. Maybe they, they'll figure something out and try to get Trevor Lawrence going. But maybe I'm foolish for doing that. Do, do you think Trevor Lawrence is a foolish play this week? I was on Lawrence last week. Uh, it didn't pay off, uh, as you mentioned, but I think that there are some positive factors for Lawrence. Like, first of all, James Robinson, I think is going to be very popular this week. Um and then, like, that kind of is the opposite game script of if, uh, if you have Lawrence get there with, like, three passing touchdowns or something. So I think that part is interesting. And his receivers aren't bad. You have Marvin Jones, Chenault. The one spot that is really uncertain is tight end because, like, we had, had O'Shaughnessy, who, who looked like a good play from the projections, but I don't think he really paid off. But – Dan Arnold's coming off the injured list this week. So uh, that will be a spot at tight end that, that's a little bit tough to, to predict this week. So I think Marvin Jones and Chanel are, are reasonable options to stack up. On the Jets side, uh, I know like uh, Zach Wilson hasn't been like that impressive, but as you mentioned, these are pretty bad defenses. So is that also uh, – is this a spot where you're going to be taking guys from both sides of the game, or how are you, how are you approaching it? Yeah, I think I'll be playing some Zach Wilson. And, and I haven't been falling for Zach Wilson as much as I have with Trevor Lawrence, but I think in this spot I'm going to try just because it's 22 to 20 is the expectation in the game. And, I, again, I think this is just a spot where there's high variance and maybe the Jets want to feature Zach Wilson to show him off against a really terrible defense. Um, that's That's narrative-based. Usually you want to probably stick to the numbers more than the narratives, but I might take some shots there. He doesn't look that great in the tools. Uh, we have Zach Wilson negatively leveraged 4% projected ownership, 2.3% optimal, 1.3% top stack. So it's not a play that's really supported by any numbers, but I still think I'm going to play some, you know, so, sometimes you just have to go, go with your gut a little bit. And, and my gut is telling me that not that this game will, my, my gut isn't telling me that this is a great game, to, but it's a, it's a spot that I just want to, take some shots on it and see what happens. So I think I'll be doing some Zach Wilson, Jameson Crowder stacks as well. Um, and then the running backs. I mean, we, now that you know that Michael Carter, the running back is not on the IR. I'll bring <laughs> up that he looks pretty, pretty good in the, uh, in the tools, in the boom bust tool, 13% projected ownership, 22% optimal. Um, at least, I don't know if he's been taken out now, but yeah. So he, he was looking really good this morning. I think that he makes some sense. I mean, he's, he's coming off a big letdown game as the chalk. So you love that. I always love when a chalk piece fails and then is in another nice spot the next week. And maybe, maybe the crowd's going to move off him because he failed them the last week, his prices come up. He's up to 5,200 now. Um, so it's just kind of a, 
I don't know if you call it a pay up to be contrarian. He's still only 5,200, but um, <laughs> it's a much better matchup. I think, you know, it, it makes sense to take some shots on Michael Carter. Maybe the tricky spot is just knowing how much of a role he's going to have this week. Do you think you have any interest in Michael Carter? Yeah, I'm into it. I think that uh, last week his workload wasn't as exciting as we're used to only one third of the rushing attempts and he ran routes on 40% of the plays, but if that goes up like to what he'd been getting before, that should be really solid for the price point. And he gets targeted a ton, 25% of the time when he's running routes. So I think that Michael Carter has a lot of reasons to be excited. The um, That's one spot where like maybe James Robinson and Carter, like uh, Carter does score a lot receiving, but that is one where maybe you want just one side of that one. Uh, and then at receiver, I think uh, Crowder is a good call. The other guys I'm looking at, Ryan Griffin, uh, their tight end, has been ruled out. Um, so Tyler Croft coming back his second week from injury. He was out there 54% of the time last week. I think that this is a, a pretty interesting sleeper where like, his playing time could be really high uh, or it could just be kind of in that 60% range. We don't really have much data one way or the other so he's kind of interesting and then uh Keelan Cole with Elijah Boer and um and Corey Davis out he had been out there 80 percent of the time over the last two weeks so that's enough for me to to have some significant interest although uh yeah this is this game is obviously a contrarian one so any any anything else about this game you're you're looking at no, not really. I mean, Braxton Berrios has slightly positive leverage in the tools at 1% projected ownership, 1.5% optimal. So I don't know, is he going to be the featured goal line back again next week? Maybe we can take shots there. Um, probably not. Do you, uh, do you think you're going to be playing Zach Wilson? You brought him up and I didn't ask you, do you think you're going to play any? Yeah, I think he looks like, okay. Uh, it, it, the, uh, the things that work for him, I think Crowder and Keelan Cole are both solid plays and then you can, kind of get that punt tight end with Croft. So I think you can definitely make a Zach Wilson stack that that's decent. In addition, like the team has been like pretty neutral pass run with a 42% run rate at neutral game scripts. So that potential is there. Jacksonville is the more run heavy team. So there's some some reason why I like that narrative that you mentioned with uh, them kind of having this dual quarterback. So that's that's a fun one. All right, the next one we got here: Drew Locke is starting in place of Teddy Bridgewater, who, fortunately, uh, it looks like he didn't get the worst of that injury on Sunday, but he is out this week. Uh, they're facing the Raiders in L- L- Las Vegas, and uh, the Raiders play in a dome. So I think that. Po- very positive lever- or weather shift for the, the Broncos. Uh, but they are on their backup quarterback. Drew Locke has been pretty ineffective when he started in the past. Uh, how are you handling the Broncos? Yeah, so it's not somebody that I had really thought about much. He's not somebody that I really want to target a lot. But I guess in the Dome, Drew Locke is 5,100. He can sling it a little bit. Um, I don't hate, he, he doesn't look that great in any of the tools. But 2.3 projected ownership, I, you know, that's kind of a, I love those really low-owned guys in 5,100. Um, 
And his receiving options are obviously really good. You like Jerry Judy, you like Cortland Sutton, Tim Patrick. They all look really solid. So, yeah, I think it probably makes some sense. Uh, they're all – Judy and Cortland Sutton are both projected for under 3% projected ownership, over 3% uh, in the optimal lineup. So I, I could definitely think of worse stacks than – Drew Lock to Judy or Cortland Sutton. Do you think you'll be playing some some Drew Lock stacks? I uh, I think this might be an example of where, like, uh, even though this is a contrary an option, it might not be my favorite one just because uh, they they run the ball uh, preferentially on the Broncos forty six percent rush rate at neutral game scripts, which is about ten percent higher than the league average. And then the individual plays are also like somewhat difficult to get to. Like Judy is 5K on DraftKings, K800 on FanDuel, Patrick and Sutton are above 4K on, on DraftKings. So uh, I think that the the key to being contrarian, you gotta like pick the guys that are at least priced favorably if uh, if they don't project that well. So yeah. uh, I'm not ruling. <laughs> It's hard seeing Cortland Sutton at 4,200 and not wanting to play him. He just, they haven't been throwing to him. Maybe, I mean, maybe that's a change. Maybe this will be a positive change for him. Do you think there's any chance that just Drew Locke comes in? Maybe he's going to want to lock in on, uh, pardon, that was uh, unintended pun there. <laughs> maybe he's going to want to lock in on one of these guys more than the others. Is there any chance you think that he might like Cortland Sutton a little bit better than Teddy Bridgewater did? Maybe he wants to focus more on one of these guys. It does add a little bit of variance to the position. I don't know. Does that, does that add to your interest at all? Yeah, I think that um, with different quarterbacks, they tend to target like different ADATs more. So uh, I haven't looked at, into that like a ton, but Sutton and, and Judy both are projecting to be very low owned at sub 3%. And they are maybe that last guy in that could get you a win. Where I don't know if uh, <clears throat> Sutton could probably have a big game without Locke necessarily getting there, but I think he is in play at least barring uh, a lot more value at a wide receiver. Now on the Raiders side, this one's a little bit tougher to break down because Darren Waller uh, is questionable, so we really don't have a great sense of if he's going to come back this week or not. Uh, but Renfro has been pretty amazing. And then um, at running back, Jalen Richard is uh, – uh, I guess he might be he's back for this one, but Kenny and Drake has been out with injuries. So uh, do you have any guys on the Raiders you're targeting at this moment? I mean, Hunter Renfro looks great. Projected for 10% ownership, 11.1% optimal lineup. So yeah, I think I'll be going back to Hunter Renfro, even at the elevated price tag. Um, he's just, he seems to be the clear number one there. Um, none of the other receivers look that incredible. Uh, some, some slight positive leverage on Zay Jones, but pretty neutral. Um, as far as tight end, I haven't really looked at Foster Moreau. I'm going to, I'm going to check that out. Cause he, I think that Waller is going to be out again is my, is my sort of read on the situation. Um, and, and if he is, then I think I'll probably have some interest in Foster Moreau, but not a ton. He just hasn't, he had the one big game early in the year and hasn't really done it recently. So uh, I don't know what we can really expect there. Do you think you're going to be playing any of those guys? Yeah, I think Renfro is solid. Uh, regardless, he's been getting targeted a ton. If Waller is out, that just helps him that much more. So I think that he, he's definitely got to look at. And then um, the, the tricky thing with the receivers, I guess Edwards and Zay Jones have been playing most of the snaps recently, but neither one is targeted particularly 
uh, often at 10% and 13%. So that kind of lead me to Jacobs. He, he has been getting a good amount of work, more than 50% route running uh, the past three weeks. Even with Richard back, he ran routes on 52%. And then he got 60% of the carries last week and then 75% the previous two. So his workload, uh, Josh Jacobs, has been pretty good. I know he's not a very popular guy uh, among fantasy players, so that would be somewhere that we can get contrarian. Yeah, Jacobs looks looks good in the tools. He's projected for 13.8% ownership. It surprises me that he's positive leverage at 13.8% ownership, but uh, in the optimal 15.4% of the time, the Broncos rush defense just has not been that good this year. I, I think I still, some, some sometimes I have trouble getting away from like defenses that have been good in the past. I still think of them as being good. And like Cincinnati, I think of as being, or for, for the, the beginning of the year, I thought of Cincinnati as like the worst defense in the league. And that's not really the case. Um, and it's also not the case that the Broncos are that good. So I think that Josh Jacobs can definitely take advantage of this matchup. Definitely. Yeah. I think that that's uh, a good point that Denver's defense, it's uh, both not as strong as it, it used to be, but also we reversed the run this year. All right, um, guys, let's talk about our, our sponsor prize picks. So they have daily prop based contests. You can get a hundred dollar match bonus with the promo code Osmo. You build uh, parlays with two to five uh, different props and you can pick them from any sport. I mean, like you can do like crazy ones, uh, but I mostly stick to NFL and NBA, um, but that's a lot of fun. And uh, you can use our tools on the site to compare the projection with the prop to, to really get an advantage on prize picks. So uh, we have to have at least two props to, to put together our, our lineup for, for prize picks. Uh, what are what are one, uh, a couple that you're looking at? I like the over on 240 and a half pass yards for Ben Roethlisberger. I don't think that Ben is good anymore. Um, I just think that they are going to be throwing the ball. They're going to have to throw the ball a lot to keep up with Kansas City. And Kansas City is a little bit depleted. So it's a, it's a low enough line that I really think that Ben Roethlisberger can probably get there. And then I also like the over on 75 and a half rush yards for James Robinson. Even though I'm going to be playing some Trevor Lawrence in DFS, I think the most likely scenario is that they're going to be rushing it a lot with James Robinson and 75 and a half rush yards is relatively low. So I think that I like James Robinson and the over on 75 and a half rush yards. You see any that you like? Nice, man. Yeah, uh, a lot of the pro- passing yards ones look a little bit low to me, but the one that really stands out is Matt Ryan. The prop right now is 220.5, and he's facing the Lions. So on the year, he's averaged 238, so that's already 18 yards above the prop. And then you have to factor in that the Lions' pass defense is uh, subpar, and this game is taking place in a dome. Uh, So I think that there's a lot of reasons why we can expect Matt Ryan to to do better than he has been. So... I think we got a nice little uh, prize pick uh, parlay going here. So I just threw down 20 bucks on that. <laughs> Hopefully we can cash it. Uh, guys, nice. let, us, let us know in the comments uh, who you guys are looking at prize picks. All right. Let's talk about uh, this Pittsburgh KC game. So obviously Pittsburgh is a huge underdog. Kansas City is uh, a team that uh, is being hit by COVID right now. I think Kelsey is on the COVID list and Tyreek, I think I saw something about, but it's not going to matter until Saturday because uh, 
they get an opportunity to they have one negative test and then be in that week. So a little bit tough to, to know who to target on Kansas City. But we know for sure that Pittsburgh's got an uphill battle to, to win this one and that they're going to probably have to pass a lot to, to attempt to do so. So uh, is Pittsburgh a team that you're looking at or are, are they too far down the list? Yeah, they're not somebody that I had thought about much until you brought them up. And then I'm like, yeah, that's actually sort of interesting, especially against Kansas City. Because Kansas City is so depleted, it might be a little bit easier to score on them. And I think that the offense for Kansas City is still going to be able to score. So, yeah, Pittsburgh is going to need to put up points. They don't look that incredible in the top stacks. Uh, Big Ben projected for 1.9% ownership, but optimal 2% of the time. So very slightly positively leveraged. But I think that's a spot where we can kind of pay attention to the Vegas lines and see the Vegas lines will kind of tell you what you can expect from the Kansas City defense as we get more news about who's in and who's out with COVID. Um, and I think that I'm, I'm going to have some interest there. I don't think that Big Ben is good. I just think they're going to need to throw the ball. They're not afraid to throw the ball. And Kansas City's defense, if they are depleted, might be really bad. So, yeah, I think that Big Ben, Deontay Johnson makes some sense. I keep going back to Chase Claypool and thinking that he's going to have a big week. He was targeted two weeks ago nine times against the Vikings and just did nothing this week. So that was a pretty big disappointment for me. I don't know. I'm going to have to look at the at Chase Claypool stats a little bit closer, I guess. But at least Big Ben and Deontay Johnson, I think I feel comfortable with. Do you think you're going to be going to that sack? I'm kind of on the fence right now. I think that uh, Deontay Johnson's price, uh, even though he gets started a lot, that price really ac- accounts for that. Um, but the passing volume should be really high for Big Ben here. So I think it's interesting. Claypool, I feel like, um, was it two weeks ago in that game that he he made that first down yeah, and was celebrating? And then, uh, okay, so I'm wondering if maybe – his playing time last week is a little bit lower just because the coach is like fed up with his antics. So I, I feel like there's some volatility there uh, regardless. Um, so he's someone completely off the radar that you might consider. Ray, Ray, Ray McLeod though, he's the minimum. He's been out there about 75% of the time over the last three weeks and, and 90% two weeks ago against Minnesota targeted 15% of the time. So Ray Ray McLeod is a guy that I don't think I've really been playing in fantasy, but he kind of makes a stack click. And then Pat Firemuth has been the one kind of getting it done. He had another touchdown last week, but then he left the game early due to uh, injuries. So if he's back this week, uh, maybe people that are uh, just looking at the, uh, maybe, okay, he didn't have a touchdown last week. I think he got a target or something in the end, so I dropped it. But, um, I feel like he's been a promising tight end. So any interest in McLeod and Firemuth? Yeah, so we are seeing negative leverage currently in the tools on all three of the uh, receivers, all four of the receivers, I guess, for the Steelers. So they don't look incredible. But again, I think we follow we follow what Vegas tells us about the game to some extent. Firemuth does seem to be a tight end that they like to target. Um, he he actually had he was the, he was targeted for the last play of the game in the Vikings game and and dropped it. So, yeah, they, they like to get him involved. They're not afraid to throw him the ball in the end zone. I think it makes some sense. I think you, I can definitely play Firemuth. I would include him in some stacks. And, and Ray Ray McLeod doesn't seem like people are going to want to be playing. I guess I guess we have project for 3% ownership, which is actually higher than I would have thought for Ray Ray McLeod. I guess the field is, is pretty sharp these days. So uh, maybe it makes some sense that people are noticing that he's getting opportunities. Uh, but yeah, I think, I think all of them make some sense. None of them look incredible in the tools. None of them are popping as like 10% optimal, but 
I wouldn't be afraid to play any of them in a Big Ben stack or or as a runback, maybe uh, in a Kansas City stack. Do you think you would play any of them as uh, any of these guys as a, a Ray Ray McLeod or the, the lower end guys as a runback in the Kansas City stack? Or would you only play the, the higher end Deontay Johnson types? I think uh, you could definitely run it back with McLeod. Uh... He's a solid play. That's really what I'm looking for more than anything is that you get a good value out of your run back because they are going to be a lot higher owned as part of a Kansas City stack than in a random lineup. So you got to account for that by, by having it be a good play. Um, Deontay Johnson, a little bit pricey. It's going to be really hard to fit him in a Kansas City stack because Kansas City skilled players are expensive and Johnson is very expensive this week. So Maybe that's one where you just don't run it back because Johnson could have a big week or, or Harris and not be in the optimal. Uh, one other note here is that Firemuth is questionable with this concussion. If he's out, Zach Gentry actually ran routes on 56% of plays last week. Uh, and that's only with Firemuth playing half the game. So that could be even higher uh, if Firemuth is out from the beginning of the game. So Zach Gentry might be that value play this week that, that no one's really uh, considering. All right, let's go to uh, L.A. and Minnesota. Uh, and then also Kansas City, Kansas City and L.A., both phenomenal passing offenses, and both are about the same in the top stack tool. L.A. is 20% if you top stack, Kansas City is 17%. So... What's your top stack of the week? Is it one of these two teams? Yeah, so I'm going to be watching the Vikings game. So obviously, I have to play the Rams. Um, no, yeah, they, they are the top stack in the in the tool. Um, I think that's going to be a fun game. I think the Vikings could put up a fight uh, against the Rams just because they have such a good passing attack with Justin Jefferson. Unclear if Adam Thielen's going to be back for this game. Um, I think I'm going to go to the Rams the most. I'm, I'm, my guess is that they will be my top stack in part because, I mean, we have uh, the ownership on Mahomes and Stafford are both at 8.5%. And in the top stacks tool, Stafford, the top stack for the Rams is 20.5%. For Kansas City, it's just 16.7%. We don't, it's kind of hard to get a read on that situation, obviously, because we don't know if Hill or Kelsey are going to play. That will change things. My guess is that it will make, the uh the top stack odds go down i would assume um but then again then you have some cheaper options that kind of become interesting as well so uh that, that'll be a fun one um i'm curious do you have any plan in place maybe maybe you haven't thought about this much for if hill and kelsey are both out we just got news that josh gordon is coming back but do you think byron pringle becomes the number one there in that case and also blake bell is uh also on the COVID list does noah gray become interesting have you given any thought to this to the kansas city stack in that <laughs> event that all those guys are out or is that still something you're going to work on throughout once we get that news Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, my general thought would be just to wait, but you put me on the spot here. So let's <laughs> take a look. Um, okay. So um, I guess uh, the main thing I'm looking at when guys are getting a bump in playing time is how often they've been targeted when they are playing. Josh Gordon, he's only been targeted 8% of the time he's been out on the field, which is pretty miserable. Maybe the guy I'd be looking at is Hardman. His playing time has been down a ton recently. He's only played on about a third of snaps on a good day in the past six games. But um, if he gets a playing time bump, he's been targeted 17%. That's the most of any of the non-Hill and Kelsey players on the Chiefs. So 
if guys are out, Hardman could get a big bump. Uh, yeah, I guess between the tight ends, I don't really have a good sense of if Blake yeah. Bell or Gray would get. So Blake Bell is on the COVID list as well. So I would assume oh, okay. it would be Gray if both Bell and Kelsey are out. But would they just would they be throwing it to the tight end in that scenario? I guess is what it comes down to. Yeah, that one's tricky. He's uh, he's run 97 routes this year, Noah Gray. He's only been targeted 7% of those. So that's like seven targets over basically two full games or two and a half full games. So not the most inspiring results so far. Uh, I think maybe it just give a big bump to the wide receivers because Kelsey's 21%. Like okay, some like half of those are going to gray or something, but then half are going to be spread out among the other players. So that would probably be what I'm looking at, and I, I think it does really help if Kelsey and Hill are ruled out to to get to Mahomes, just because that's a lot better value on the other guys that that aren't priced as completely studs. So okay, um, I don't know. So you like, think the top stack odds would go up would go up in that scenario? Do you think what do you think ownership? I guess I'm putting you on the spot again. I don't know if, <laughs> if how much of this you do or you just have your your algorithm do it for you. Do you think I, I guess I would assume that the ownership would actually go up on the stack just because the value options would be so good? Oh Is yeah, your... definitely. I think yeah. that uh like it, it just makes the stack a lot more affordable if Kelsey and Hill are ruled out. So the only question is like, what what can we really expect from the team? Like in most cases, when you have these stud receivers ruled out, it does decrease the, the passing offense, but not quite as much as people might think. So I think that Mahomes would still be a good play and the points per dollar on the stack would just go way up. So I think it could be a good thing. Um, we'll have to wait and see on that one. All right, let's, uh, let's talk about uh the seahawks they i had a pretty miserable outing yesterday like it seems like every week and then you look at their box scores like dude they only ran like 50 plays or something like when the league average is like 60 something and it's it's really easy to understand why they're not getting there with that in mind but then you have them as seven point favorites versus the bears like what do you make of this bears versus seahawks game yeah, it's hard. I, I keep falling for Russell Wilson. I keep thinking he's going to get it back at some point, right? He has, he's not that old. He can't be washed at this point. And then every time I watch him, I'm like, oh, yeah, this guy, this guy's washed. He's not good anymore. Uh, so it's hard for me. I, I still want to play him kind of. DK Metcalf looks incredible right now in the boom bust tools. He's one of the most positively leveraged plays. And that's with currently we have uh, Tyler Lockett is in in the boom bust tool. So if DK, if Tyler Lockett is out, I would assume that DK Metcalf looks even better in terms of optimal percentage. I don't know. His ownership would probably go up in that case as well. But currently with Lockett in, we've got him at 12% owned, 15.9% optimal. So DK Metcalf looks really good at 6,400 against the Bears. It's just so hard. But but I guess that's, uh, I mean, if everybody's thinking the same thing that I am, we watch the game, Russell Wilson doesn't look good. That's the reason you get DK Metcalf at 12% with Lockett out when in the past he would probably get a lot of steam. So I guess that's, that's why you could you get him at low ownership. Uh, I don't know. I'm struggling a little bit with whether I'm going to go back to it. Um, do you think you're going to be playing some Metcalf and Wilson stacks this week? I think so. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the pricing on Metcalf and Lockett does reflect the team's like poor performance with Metcalf at 6,400 and Lockett at 6,700. One of the questions for me is going to be like, are we going to know that Lockett is a full go? 
um, because he did come off the COVID list. We did see with some players, they were a little bit limited in their first game back, most notably Miles Gaskin. <laughs> so, uh, like, that makes me a little bit more likely to go to, to Metcalf over Lockett, even though Lockett's probably the better receiver in, in a vacuum. Um, and then the the other Seahawks, I think Gerald Everett has been pretty solid. He had a good game again yesterday. Um, but, yeah, I think this one, it's hard to have a ton of confidence in the Seahawks, but they do have a really good matchup versus the Bears. And the main thing with the Seahawks is they haven't been able to sustain drives at all. But then maybe the Bears, like – won't be able to like put up huge numbers of plays either. So it kind of balances out a little bit. I am a little bit suspicious of this six and a half point line though. It does seem overly uh, slanted towards the Seahawks. It's kind of intuitively, but I don't know. Like it's hard to, hard to, hard to argue with Vegas. Uh, Is there anyone on the Bears side that you think is worth looking at? I mean, Fields is kind of cheap, so maybe you could play Justin Fields. I haven't looked closely at the Bears side, but I believe Fields was 5,100. He's the only one that I had taken note of as somebody. 5,200 against the Seahawks. Yeah, I have I have some interest there. Um, he doesn't look great in the top stack tool. So that's something that uh, I've sort of taken note from you a little bit. Early on in the year, I think I focused more on boom bust with quarterbacks, and I you know tried to... I'm like, well, even though they don't look great in the top stacks tool, they're optimal so much more of the time. And then kind of listening to you, I've kind of come back to, well, I take advantage of correlation in everywhere, every other spot. Why am I not doing it with quarterbacks? So now I've started focusing more on the top stacks tool. And Justin Fields just doesn't, he's 0.4% likely to be, that the Bears are likely to be the top stack. So it's sort of hard to get there. Yeah, I, I don't think I'm going to be playing a ton of the Bears. I, I, or I guess... David Montgomery is, is the one spot that you can definitely take advantage of. David Montgomery looks really good in the tools. Um, I had him written down as somebody that I'm, I mean, he's not very contrarian. We do have him projected for 12.9% ownership, but 15% optimal is positive leverage. He's only 5,700 against a pretty bad Seahawks defense and against a Seahawks team that has been struggling to put up points. So I do like David Montgomery in this spot. Do you like any of the Bears? Yeah, here's the thing with the stack is, the Bears have been the most run-heavy team in the NFL this year with a 51% run rate in neutral game scripts. And that's that makes it really tough to stack because basically when they have success early in the game, they're going to stop passing the ball, which that pretty much like is the, the vote in fantasy is if you have those fires early in the game and then the scoring just kind of like the spigot turns off and you're ending up with the same points you had at halftime. So that would be my concern with the stack, but that, I mean, with Montgomery, uh, obviously that's not a concern. He's getting a big workload. Uh, and I think that he's, he's priced pretty favorably 5,700 on DraftKings, 6,600 on FanDuel. So he does look like a pretty strong play. Uh, I think uh, that, that makes it easy for the game too, because you might just play him and not worry about Seahawks or anything. All right, let's uh, let's go to uh, the Bucks versus Cam Newton. So uh, the Bucks they they've been having some bad injury luck. Uh, Leonard Fournette is out for the rest of the season. Last time I, I saw, um, and then Chris Godwin he he's out for the rest of the season. 
Mike Evans uh, is questionable this week. Uh, Antonio Brown is coming back. So I think the, the number one way to approach the box is going to be Ronald Jones and Antonio Brown. But what are you, what are you looking at with these uh, the Buccaneers? Yeah, I mean, I think that's exactly what I'm looking at. I'm going to be playing a lot of both of them. Um, I guess you could go to some some Tyler Johnson. You assuming that Evans is out as well. I think maybe some of those guys become a little bit more interesting. Um, but I think Antonio Brown is going to be. I mean, currently he's only projected for 11.8% ownership. I would think that that's going to go up if Mike Evans is ruled out. Um, and but so is his. So currently we have 11.8% ownership, 18.3% optimal. I would assume that both of those numbers go up a lot, and I'll have to we'll have to pay attention to how much the ownership goes up relative to the optimal percentage. But Antonio Brown as a wide receiver one for Tom Brady at 4,900, it makes a lot of sense. He is not like the, the cheap, the cheap wide receivers that people sometimes go to just because they're cheap. He's going to be the guy I would think. So yeah, Antonio Brown is going to be hard to get away from. And, and same, same thing with Ronald Jones. I think that if he's the number one running back, and it's, he can obviously get in the doghouse pretty quickly. We've seen it happen before, but I think that they'd be more reluctant to go to Le'Veon Bell than Leonard Fournette if uh, Ronald Jones doesn't play well. So I think I'll be playing a lot of both of them. And assuming that Mike Evans is out, I think I'll also go to some Tyler Johnson. I think he would look really interesting at 3,900, depending on how chalky he gets. He could become one of those cheap receivers who gets a lot of steam just because he's cheap. Um, but I, he, he might look really good if Mike Evans is out as well. Um, yeah, I think, I think those are the main places that I'm going to go. Where do you think you're going for the bucks? Yeah, I think those are good reads. Uh, there are a lot of question marks here. Uh, and other guys, Perryman, who is out with on the COVID list. So, uh, that remains to be seen if he plays because he did play 90% of the snaps three weeks ago. So that's the guy they've liked. Scotty Miller came back last week, uh, and played 75% of the snaps. So, like, the playing time is, like, very hard to, to pin down here if, if more guys are out. Antonio Brown's the one guy that you could count on as uh, kind of being a full go. Even though he's coming back from this ankle injury, they did say he's been looking the same as before the injury, so that is a little bit reassuring that uh, he might not be limited on this first game back. On the, what about Rob Gronkowski? Sorry. Yeah, Rob uh, Gronkowski, I think, is a solid play for sure. Uh, he's been out there about 80% of the time in the last few weeks. The one concern I have with him is just that it seems like the public loves playing Rob Gronkowski, so it's hard to like get a huge advantage playing him. But he does have a sneaky uh, nose for finding the, finding the optimal, so it kind of works both ways. Yep. Uh, any interest in any Panthers this week? So Cam Newton kind of has the same problem where he looks good in the boom bust tool and then doesn't really look that great in the top stack tool. So in the top stack tool, we've only got the Panthers at the top stack 2.7% of the time. Uh, but then he's so cheap. I have some interest. I could, I could be talked into some Cam Newton, uh, DJ Moore stacks. Maybe he looks in the boom bust tool project for 5% ownership, um, but optimal 7.7% of the time. So that looks pretty good. Um, and that you, you would think that he's going to be throwing the ball. Uh, is he going to be benched again? He's been benched, uh, the, the two weeks prior to last week. So <laughs> there's always that concern, but I think that that's something that, you know, you can, maybe that drives the ownership down a little bit. I have a little bit of interest in Cam Newton. Um, he, he got there this week, so wouldn't be surprising to see him get there against the bucks. Do you think you'll be playing any cam? 
He might be tough to get to because Tampa suppresses the running production, which is how he normally gets there. But uh, DJ Moore is looking like a really strong play. He got 11 targets last week and 10 in the previous two weeks uh, each. So he's been averaging more than 10 targets a game, even with Cam Newton under center. The, the unfortunate part is his fantasy points have been about the same as the targets. So he hasn't done like very much with them, but I think that uh, like there isn't much target competition there and it's first the box where they're going to probably be forced to throw more than they would like to, even though Cam Newton is their quarterback. So um, I think that he's pretty interesting. One thing I want to mention, this is about the time of year where maybe the playoff picture starts coming into play uh, as far as how teams are going to be kind of allocating their playing time. So maybe a little bit early week 16 to, to be thinking about that. Uh, but has that crossed your mind at all this week? So it, it hasn't, it's not something that I've given a ton of thought to yet. But I think that it is something that adds a little bit of uh, variance to the situation. I think it is around the time now that you can start thinking that teams are going to want to see what they have in some younger mm-hmm. players, teams that are out of the playoff picture. So maybe maybe that helps your Michael Carter shares. Maybe they maybe they want to play Michael Carter a little bit more now that the Jets are out of it. Uh, James Robinson, do they do they go to Daria Gumbawale? He's uh, I think he's younger. <laughs> I guess I don't even know. I think I think he's younger. Uh, maybe they maybe they try him out a little bit. I don't know. Yeah, I, I do think that it is we're getting to the point in the year where teams that are eliminated might rest their veterans a little bit more and see what they have in some younger guys. Are there any in particular spots that you think you're going to be taking advantage of it or uh, have, you, have you not figured exactly where you're going yet with young guys? I haven't figured it out quite yet. Some teams that recently got eliminated, the Seahawks are under one under 0.1% chance of making the playoffs. And that's a team where we're really looking to target guys. Uh, but they've been so bad recently that I'm kind of like feeling they're going to be motivated regardless. The Panthers also uh, five and nine. They're pretty much out of it at this point in the Falcons. But uh, I think it could be interesting on a case-by-case basis to look at like uh, you were saying. So we'll have to – I think especially next week and, and the following week we'll, we'll probably be able to make more more plays based on that. Does it make right. it harder to play David Johnson and Rex Burkhead against the, the Chargers for you? Man. Yeah, I, that's a good good point. Houston, uh, they have been playing their their vets a ton. The problem is their their rookie was Scotty Phillips, and he's he's been out. So I don't think they have any young guys on yeah. the squad right now. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, but let's uh, let's talk about some some contrary and pivots this week. So. Uh, let's, uh, at the end of the show, we always give our top fade and top pivot. So, um, what, are, what are you looking at this week as far as ownership and who, who might be a little bit too high for your liking and what's the pivot? Yeah. So I think, uh, I guess I, I said, I might play some Deontay Johnson, but he is looking a little bit high, uh, in, in terms of the leverage score. We have met nearly 10% projected ownership only optimal 6.4% of the time. I think I might go to some Viking stacks. So I think that I might be playing some Justin Jefferson as a pivot. I just, uh, I don't know if the numbers really support it, but he's just a guy that always kind of gets overlooked. And I think that I'm going to have some intrigue 
he, he is slightly positive leverage in the in the tools. He's a little bit more expensive. So it's kind of a pay up to be contrarian spot just because I think the Vikings are going to have to be throwing it. And I think that they could have success against the Rams. So I think it's probably Justin Jefferson as my pivot. How about you? Nice, man. Uh, I think my fade, uh, I'm kind of looking at the top sacks at this point in the week. And the Chargers, they have the highest quarterback projected ownership right now versus the Texans. Uh, that's one of those where they could get up pretty quick and not have to pass. So this is going to create a lot of situations where Herbert has a good game, but not a great one. So that one's pretty iffy. I prefer like spending up a little bit on the skill players and getting the Rams or, or chiefs compared to that, or, or just punting at the stack completely. So, all right, should be a pretty good week guys. Uh, if you can, hit the like button and subscribe. This is going to be a really important week to stay tuned uh, to all the injury information leading up to the slate. And if you haven't checked out our sponsor prize picks, make sure to check them out. Promo code awesome. will get you a hundred dollars free, uh, free match bonus. And you can make uh, a lot of bets on props that that will be profitable using our tools. Guys, good luck. And uh, we'll catch you next week on, on the contrary.